This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode number 162. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I am your host, Riley Bowman. Riley, the man who was once a junior state bowling champion, and I'm Jacob Paulson. And Jacob is the man who works too much. <laughs> so, Riley, I know that Idaho is a small state, but you shouldn't call it junior. You know, it's not it's not fair to refer to Idaho as a junior state, you know? Uh, it me- I meant that I was like 14 or 15 at the time. <laughs> you didn't get my joke at all. No, I got the joke, but uh, <laughs> it was a terrible joke. <laughs> <laughs> Most people do understand junior state to refer to you being younger. I, I immediately assumed that, you know, that we're just clarifying that Idaho is kind of a junior state. To what? <laughs> Wyoming? Ah. Uh, you know, f- funny thing, though, I, I, it sounds way cooler than it is. And really what it is, I, I, I participated in a state bowling championship. It wasn't necessarily sanctioned by, it wasn't school related or anything like that. And uh, it, it, it could have been bigger than it was. There wasn't actually that many juniors there, but I was the best one of them all, so I took home the big prize. All right. Well, <laughs> you were number one out of three. Good work. It was more than three. Oh, geez, man. But you, on the other hand, Mr. Working like, what, 100 hours a week? 120 now? I don't know. But for as kidding. far as I'm concerned, it's not too much. <laughs> for the guy who's work and hobby and fun thing he likes to do is work (laughs) it's all one and the same as far as i'm concerned (laughs) and that is mr jacob paulson all right hey guys uh, thanks for joining us on this episode today today is a continuation of last week's episode 160 uh we intended last week's episode to really be all about handgun lights and lasers and you know i guess there was just way more to talk about just as far as the light piece than we realized and so here's part two we're going to spend today's episode mostly talking about lasers on your handguns uh but today's episode is sponsored by first of all guardian nation where i hope you'll consider checking out our special membership guardian nation because it's a great way to get more training and awesome gear if you join Guardian Nation, you will be part of the fastest growing tribe of self-defense shooters nationwide. Members receive access to our concealedcarry.com shooter skill library, Guardian Nation live broadcasts and past recordings in the archive, which you would include in there last week. We just did James Yeager. Um, before that, we've had uh, all kinds of, of great folks, uh, Mike Seeklander, Kyle Lamb, uh, Andrew Branca. Mike Hughes and a bunch, bunch of, uh, of other awesome guys and, and people on, on the uh, live monthly broadcasts. We've got coming up next week, Tim Schmidt with uh, USCCA too. So that's pretty cool. We have two that are fairly close to each other here just because of the nature of the scheduling. Anyway, that is one awesome benefit where you can ask your questions, you know, a little bit of a Q&A session each month with these people. Uh, but also you get 10% off everything sold at concealedcarry.com. Members also receive a box of shooting gear four times a year, and we promise, we guarantee, in fact, that that box of gear will be at least worth the value of the membership so that everything else is basically icing on the cake. Free bonuses, essentially. So, pretty cool stuff. Join Guardian Nation today. Go check it out at guardiannation.com. 
guardiannation.com. I hope you'll check it out. It's one way of supporting the podcast and making it possible for us to continue doing what we do. Also, another way you might uh, consider supporting the podcast is checking out our concealedcarry.com store. I'll talk some more about that a little bit later, including featuring a couple of products I think you'll find of interest today based on the uh, content that we're going to be discussing. So there you have it. Let's get into it, shall we? Yeah, game on. So last week we talked about lights. Um, and I mean, we basically talked about how uh, we spent a, quite a bit of time talking about handheld versus weapon mounted. Um, I think you and I are in agreement that weapon mounted lights are great. Uh, if you can find a way to carry one on your weapon all the time, uh, you know, be, either because you're able to find a holster that works for it, um, it's small and compact enough or light enough that it doesn't, you know, add more burden to your everyday carry routine. Um, but definitely, if you're going to carry a weapon mount of light, you should most definitely also have a handheld light. And so that was like one big thing uh, that I hope folks take away from that episode. Um, we talked about a lot of other things, but one thing we didn't touch on Jacob was combination light and laser products that I thought let's, let's kind of use that as our segue from lights to lasers, which is where we're going to spend the bulk of our time here today. Um, you're seeing more and more of these products now where you've got a weapon mounted light and a laser in a standalone unit. Uh, you're seeing products like that from Streamlight, um, Crimson Trace, also uh, uh, Viridian. And in fact, they got a really great little unit. Uh, Viridian does. They all do, but uh, I know I've been seeing this Viridian one quite you know quite a bit more in recent uh, weeks. Um, so what do you think about the combination light laser products, Jacob? Well, generally speaking, I'm a big fan for getting more stuff in one package. Uh, you know, I, I'm thinking for those who listen to our EDC, you know, what did we call it? Like uncommon EDC gear or something? Just unconventional you know? EDC, yeah, gear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that was a great episode. And, and I, I talked a lot about how I'm all for getting more leverage out of something I already have with me anyway. So for me, assuming I'm not jeopardizing quality or functionality or simplicity, as we talked a lot about last week on the on the lights episode, I'm all for getting more stuff without more bulk. Um, that said, I think I have seen that some of these combination light laser products are more bulky. You know, in order to put both of those things into one unit, you are getting more bulk. The other concern I have with combination light laser products, particularly as it relates to like a rail mounted system or something that's going on a handgun, is if you thought it was previously more difficult, you know, difficult to find a holster that was going to be compatible with your gun and light, you know, these combination products are even less so common, right? They're, they're less, they're less popular than just, just standalone light products. And so they're even harder to find holsters for. Yeah, uh, that's true. Now, speaking of, you talk about these combination uh, units, you know, just probably adding more bulk or whatever. Um, fortunately, we are in a time where the technology is getting to be so good that they are getting smaller all the time, sure. which is cool. Um, you know, for instance, let me just use Viridian as an example. Um, if you look at their latest C-series uh, uh, laser light combos, um, it's not much bigger than, 
you know, just a standalone light unit mounted to your gun. Same is true even with their X series, which is very similar in size to uh, uh, Surefire, you know, X300 light. Um, if you look at the Streamlight products, for instance, their their light laser combo products uh, are pretty much the same size uh, as the light, you know, the weapon mounted light only. Although they do add this little. Um, you know, piece just underneath the light, you know, so it extends downward, you know, another quarter, maybe a little more than a quarter of an inch. Uh, so it does add a little bit more in the size category. Um, so, I mean, definitely something to think about, but uh, things are getting smaller and, and more efficient uh, as far as the use of space, even the use of power in a lot of these units than uh, they've ever been before. So, I, I tend to agree. I mean, it's pretty cool to get a lot of bang for your buck. I mean, if you can have a weapon mount of light and a laser all in one, um, that's uh, that's pretty cool way to go. So, I mean, I think then it becomes a matter of discussing or making the case for whether you have a laser on your gun to begin with anyway. Yeah, but, but and maybe we already said this well enough. If so, sorry to like bring it back up again. But a lot of it has to do with the simplicity of operation too. Last week we spent a lot of time talking about how uh, you know gross motor skill versus fine motor skill. If I have to, if it's going to be a challenge for me to activate the one I want, right? If I want the light and I'm going to go to activate it and I'm turning on the laser on accident, like oh no crap, I didn't want the laser, I wanted the light. You know, if if, if this is going to cause problems, then. You know, the, the argument continues to be go with the simple system. You know, simplicity will win when you're trying to do something under stress and, and you know, you lose a lot of those those abilities, I guess, as, as the shooter. So that that would be my other two senses. You know, simplicity will always win. Yeah, uh, I definitely agree with that. Now, one thing you are seeing product-wise from holster manufacturers are holsters that are paired or they mate well and they usually partner, obviously, with these light and laser manufacturers where they make a holster uh, that, you know, somehow activates automatically the light and, and the laser uh, as the gun is drawn, which, I mean, it. now I've wondered about this, you know, many times. It's like, okay, do I really want this to be automatically activated when I draw my gun? Um, and, and that is definitely something that's going to be very depend very much dependent on the situation and very much dependent on the person carrying that gun and what they think you know fits their needs i'm thinking from like a law enforcement standpoint if this is my duty gun and my duty holster chances are chances are i mean i can probably think of a few exceptions to this but if i'm drawing my gun it's probably being drawn to where i i mean i may need it I mean, that's usually the case anyway, regardless of who you are. But I'm just thinking from a law enforcement standpoint, if I encounter a situation where I need to draw my gun, I really need to draw my gun. And I probably don't care in most circumstances whether the light and the laser are automatically engaged or not. Um, so I, think, I think you're proving that you're wrong, um, actually. I mean, just my, my two cents here that every single thing you're saying about this is in most circumstances, depending most of the time, well, <laughs> all of these qualifiers are, are essentially guaranteeing that there are then some circumstances or some circumstances or some people where they don't want it activated. And so, you know, I, I'm inclined to say I'm not a fan of the automate, automatically flip it on system. Because despite the fact that, yeah, that does save me, you know, one more thing I have to think, one more thing I have to do, one more thing I have to train, there are still those sometimes 
where I don't want it to come on. And so I don't I don't carry well, a gun okay, for the majority, I, I'm, right? I'm going to I'm going to ask you though right now. Give me a situation where you wouldn't want it to come on when you got to draw your draw your gun. I'm I'm just curious. I'm just think, let's let's play this sure. out a little bit. Totally. I think it's naive to believe that I would only my my gun will only ever come out of my holster in a circumstance where I'm guaranteed to shoot someone. I think it's completely naive. We how many stories do we read where someone draws the gun and de-escalates the situation without a shot being fired. I mean, you don't need me to give you a specific example because those happen all the time. And in those circumstances, when I'm de-escalating a situation without firing the gun, do I want the light and laser to flip on? And th- this is the conversation really now that we have to have. And I'm inclined to say, not always. Because sometimes I may be readying that weapon and I don't want the other person to know I'm readying a weapon. I'm just getting it. I'm, I'm prepping it in order to, you know, because I think the distance is closing or my opportunity might be closing. And I don't know for sure what's going to happen yet, but I'm going to ready my weapon. I might release retention. I might actually draw it. I might be driving down the road and I see somebody who's you know coming toward my car. I don't know what's going on. They followed me around. I, I may not be ready to flip on a light and a laser and present that sucker on target or illuminate the interior of my car, but I might be wanting, I might want to pull it out of a holster and, and kind of be in a, in a ready position. So I think it's completely naive to believe to say for as an instructor to say every single time this gun comes out of its holster, I'm going to put it on a target. Uh, and and get, you know be ready to fire and or actually fire. I, I just I don't I don't think that's true. I mean, yeah, maybe the majority I totally buy the majority of the time, but I, I, I we see too many news stories where that doesn't happen and it works out fine. And I think in many of those situations, it's for the better that a, some huge bright light and laser don't flip right on. So this is why I said I think I could see in a law enforcement, uh, you know, on the on the le side of things. That's probably less of an issue. I agree. I agree that it's harder to imagine a situation where a law enforcement officer wants to draw a gun and doesn't want others around them to know that he just drew his gun, right? I mean, um, he's got a uniform and a badge. Like, he's got a gun out now. Like, the world should know, you know? But but for me, you know, Joe the plumber, can I be Jacob the plumber? I'm not a plumber. For me, Jacob the gun instructor internet guy... Yeah, for for that guy, uh, yeah, th- I I think that it's it's entirely plausible to believe there are going to be situations where I plan to draw that gun, and I don't want a light flipping on, and I ain't going to present it on target quite yet. Uh, I'm just decreasing my response time by having it ready now. See, and that that's where I think uh, you and I would definitely agree, and this is probably where. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's pretty much dead on as far as how I think of it as well. That's I brought up the whole issue because I've sometimes wondered as an as an LEO, you know, it might actually be a nice thing that to not have to worry about the light or the laser or whatever uh, to just get the gun out of the holster. Because hey, you know, if I, as a cop, uh, if I got to draw my gun, I mean, I mean, it's true of anybody, but. I think of the situations that cops are in and most of the time it's not going to be, and I say most like 90 and and somebody feel free to call me out on this. I have not, I have not gone down this road. I've not, I have zero experience carrying a gun with a light and or a laser on it that automatically activates upon drawing it from the holster. I have zero experience. I have not really considered it. I just I know the products out there. I know the techs out there. I know pe- there's people that, that seem to like it. Um, I'm just playing this out in my mind, you know, playing the hypotheticals. And uh, as far as I can think of, 
it probably wouldn't be a bad idea for most LEOs in like 98% of the situations. Um, in civilian land, yeah, that's where I was thinking, or as an off-duty officer, uh, which is basically being a civilian, uh, there are definitely times where I think the element of surprise, uh, drawing that gun, readying it, getting ready to use it, is definitely something that's got to be considered. And uh, I mean, because, I mean, obviously as an LEO, you're in uniform and people know you're a cop and they know you have a gun. I'm talking about situations now, and this is what you were touching on, Jacob, where you are not obviously someone that, you know, you have the element of surprise as far as this person that you are contending with probably doesn't know you have a gun. They might suspect potentially, but they definitely don't, they don't know with certainty that you have a gun. They might not think you have a gun and you're looking for that opportunity uh, to, to draw and, and potentially use it when they're not expecting it. Thinking of that cop, by the way, last uh, Thanksgiving in like Brazil or wherever, where, you know, he just, he kind of blades his body, positions himself between the, uh, the robber and his wife as his right hand sort of sweeps back and then bam, <laughs> you know, and it's out like he just, you know, so yeah, there you go. I, I think that I'll was really a, good. To, I'll oh, give go ahead. one other, one other consideration. And that is that there could be some situations, especially if you're working in a tight confined space or working with cover that that light coming on while you're while you're you know drawing the gun and and you know bringing it into a, into a firing position is going to you're going to light yourself up really easily or light it, light up that confined space and potentially draw un, unwanted attention as well so it's not just about you know do I do I want it on or not want do I want you know but that that you can really light up a space pretty seriously you know if I pull out some 400 lumen you know weapon mounted light and I, the second I just break the holster from it poof you know my if I'm in the dark, and I'm in my car, the entire car is going to light. Uh, I mean, you, you're going to see from, from blocks away that, that something's going on in that car. So anyway, just, just consider that that light, you know, you, you want it on a target, but you don't want it to light up your environment or, or blind you. Yeah, you're talking about, you know, backlighting yourself or silhouetting yourself. Uh, and that, that is a real possibility. It's one of the reasons why I, you know, I, I got involved in this little discussion on an online forum not too long ago where guys were saying, you know, they were talking about lights and they're like, I want a thousand lumens. I want 5,000 lumens if I can get it on any weapon mounted light. And I'm like, this is ridiculous because I'll tell you, there gets a point where you are going to cast light back on yourself. Uh, even if you don't have an immediate reflector, like right in front of you. And so you, you, you don't always need a thousand lumens, uh, particularly I think on a handgun. I mean, you need something that's bright that illuminates your subject. You're, uh, you know, as bright, brightly, bright enough so you can tell what, who they are, what they have, what they're doing. And yeah. And you want to be able to control that sucker. I think in, in most situations, uh, where, uh, particularly in a civilian, uh, situation. So anyway, um, good exercise, Jacob, and, and, and I appreciate you bringing up and sharing your points. So let's now transition. We talked about combination light laser units. Um, hey, that's cool and all if that's what you want to r- roll with, but let's now make the case either for or, or against lasers. And so first of all, I, let's do another little exercise. What are the like pros, I guess, Jacob, of, of having a laser on a gun? Yeah, what are the pros? So here's here's one that I was thinking of uh, the other day. So let's imagine I'm in a situation where I, for whatever reason, cannot get sight picture. 
Okay, so there could be a lot of things. Maybe my maybe my uh, my arm is kind of trapped. You know, my upper arm is trapped under an object. So I still kind of can hold that gun, and I from the elbow forward, I can pivot the gun, and I can present it. But there's no way I'm going to get it into my eyesight, right? I'm not going to be able to get sight picture. Um, well, if I had a, if I had a laser, uh, I could still you know flip that sucker on, and I can see my you know, rough point of impact and and get shots off, even though I'm not in a real firing stance and I don't have any sight picture. So I know that that sounds like super like wow, that's very specific, but you know it, it's it, it's no more far fetched than to believe that any of us might have to shoot one handed. Uh, for any of us to believe that we might be in a situation where we just can't get sight picture, but we still want to crank off a couple of shots. So a laser would allow me to see my point of impact without any sight picture. I really think that's one of the strongest pros yeah. of having a laser on a gun it, it might is be the pro. <laughs> that situation where you can't get an ideal sight picture. Uh, and, and yeah, I think that's a really viable reason for having a laser on a gun. Now, just out of like pure disc, uh, disclosure, um, I don't have any carry guns with lasers on them. In fact, I don't have hardly any guns with lasers on them. Uh, I have one presently, which is a Streamlight product, a Streamlight TLR6 that they sent me that I'm still working on a, a review. I, I just haven't really had the, to, to really test it because it's a, the TLR6, by the way, is a comp, is one of those combo units. It's a light and laser, you know, combo unit. And uh, it's, this particular one fits the uh, 1911. Yeah, I have a TLR. A rail. I have the TLR four. That's a light laser combo, and it, it's it's a you know it's just a it's a it's a universal rail product. So I could I could put it on any of my guns, but I never do because it's a little bit more bulky than my TLR one, <laughs> and I'm happy to not have the laser and have a a, a smaller, more compact package. The uh, the TLR six is really compact. Uh, the light is only. 100 120 lumens maybe it's 150 it's you know it's not a lot um it's but it's very compact and it definitely and it has a red laser on it uh and uh i mean it, it's a it's a pretty cool little unit i'm not particularly crazy with the control uh we talked about the importance of controls so so you know we talked last week about controls or activation on weapon mounted lights and it's the, a lot of the same points we made in that segment last in last week's episode is going to be true here in this episode talking about lasers. Now with the TLR six, the uh, light and laser come on together the, the same time every time, um, which I thought was interesting. I mean, it, it, it's probably you know what we talk about. We don't want complication. We don't want confusing controls. Uh, I completely agree with that. And I've sometimes thought, okay, I don't mind having my light and my laser always come on together and turn off together. But there might be times where I maybe don't want the light to come on, but I do want the laser. I don't know. I haven't totally figured that all out yet. But the point is, um, to test that product and to finish my review, I've not really had the opportunity uh, recently enough to to get somewhere where I you know, where, where I had a low light so I could really test it and put it through its paces. For those who I, I brought it up because I was going to just add a couple of details about the TLR six. So, so they, you can't get a TLR six for all guns, 
and it is kind of a gun or at least gun platform specific product. They do make a couple that are rail mounts, but it's like the rail mount for XDs, the rail mount for MMPs, or the rail mount for Glocks. And then they have very model specific, you know, the TLR6 for a Zig Sauer P938 or whatever. So so certainly, you know, if you're listening and you're like, oh, hey, I want to try out the TLR6, it, you know, it is a little bit restrictive in terms of gun selection, but it's, it's worth going and shopping. Right, right. So... Um, I brought it up though, because, well, I wanted to touch on the controls and activation, uh, real quick, uh, just to use it as an example of what's good or not so good. And in this case, the control switch is two little pressure pads, uh, pressure switches on either side of the unit on the sides. Um, if you have your, your finger indexed on the gun, your, your, uh, trigger finger, it's going to basically touch the button for the TLR6 is a little bit low than lower than where I normally index. Uh, it's basically directly in front of the trigger or trigger guard, but it's 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 very accessible. Okay, now for your offhand or for your support hand, the button's in the same location, just on the other side, and you'd have to activate it with your thumb. And it's not hard to do, but it's not as intuitive, in my opinion, particularly under stress, as your standard activating uh, switches that we see on most, you know, weapon mounted lights. Um, but here's what I didn't like about it, Jacob. And that was that if you press and immediately let go of the button, the light turns on and it stays on hmm. and to turn it off, you have to press and, and, and release again. Sure. Okay. If you want momentary on off, they basically assume that if you're using momentary on off, that you are going to press and hold it for like at least two seconds, which is probably not unreasonable, but I definitely have found myself accidentally activating it, you know, uh, in that, you know, where it comes, I hit the button. I'm thinking I'm just going to turn it on, turn it off real quick, momentary on off. Uh, but it actually, I, it stays on when I release the button because I haven't held it quite long enough. And so, yeah, I, I just bring that up because I, I find that's probably not the most ideal control for, for a light like that, light laser combo. Um, so anyway, back to the pros and cons. You talked about not getting a um, ideal sight picture. The reason I brought this whole thing up, <laughs> and you're probably wondering, is because in a lot of situations where you might not be able to get an ideal sight picture, might also be those types of situations where you don't have both hands on the gun. And thus the activation becomes a big issue in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, totally valid, right? I mean, we're talking about my my example was, hey, my arm is trapped, but I still have enough dexterity to, you know, point a gun at something and shoot it. Well, under this circumstance that we're describing, how am I going to get my laser on? You know, and and so that that's a that's a totally valid question you know and so maybe now some sort of you know grip sensitive thing or that thing that activated when i drew from the holster also some of you might be like well that makes a little bit more sense well perhaps it does i mean i'm who am i to say i don't carry a laser to begin with because i i I see that as such a small potential thing that it it doesn't drive me to endure the uh the, the inconvenience of having a laser on my carry gun um, if, if it's a combo product on a home defense gun, that maybe changes things. And then we're not really talking about that, that same kind of situation. because I'm always in my home. So th- those are some, some things to consider. I will, I will throw this other 
thought out there. And that is that, you know, this situation where we've talked about where I'm basically shooting without sight picture, you, know, you could call that shooting from the hip if you want, uh, but it's not always necessarily on the hip. And I, I guess here's my point. If you're in a gunfight and you're in a situation where you can't get sight picture, it's, you still need to be fighting, right? So, so, you know, technique and tools aside, I just guess I, I feel like I, I should have introduced that concept a little bit better with this core idea that you don't give up the fight. And that means if I can't get sight picture, I still want to try and get shots on target. And that might be a very difficult shot to make, but it's better than just saying, oh, I guess I can't get sight picture now. So anyway, for whatever that's worth. Yeah. By the way, just for clarification, because uh, I was looking it up a little bit more specifically just now uh the that streamlight tlr6 now one thing i do like about it by the way is it's incredibly compact uh it's very very small and so it wouldn't add a lot of burden to someone either in terms of bulk or weight uh to have it on an edc gun uh but you talked about how it's very specific to gun uh to, to the gun that it's on and that is true um they do have a universal kit which makes it compatible with quite a few more guns. And it should be noted too, that primarily this light is geared towards uh, smaller guns. You know, so like Glock 43s, 42s, 26s, 27s, Kimber Micro, the Shield, you know, MMP Shield, those types of sizes of guns. And then the other market they're really going after with that light is non-railed 1911s. And that's why they sent me this one was because they're, they're really proud of the fact that they have this cool little compact you know combo unit uh that will work on 1911s that traditionally don't have rails some some modern ones do but but still most most 1911s probably do not and that's what i have it mounted on right now is a, is a rail uh 1911 anyway just for fyi on that so let's get back to some more pros and cons i i think a pro of a laser is for someone that has uh less than ideal uh, uh sight meaning like their vision is not what it used to be. Uh, this would be true for a lot of people, but particularly for those as we get old, you know, older in our years, uh, seeing the sights on a gun, particularly in low light, can become even increasingly challenging. And so a laser could be, very, you know, that'd be a big pro is because you, then you're just completely entirely all the time focused on your threat and you sh and most people can focus at distance even especially as they get older um it's like the up close stuff the reading right um the the finer details like i said with the use of your sights though that becomes usually more of a challenge so focusing on the threat and you're looking for a dot essentially mm -hmm. and so that would be another pro yep yep I'm going to bring up my probably my biggest fear or con if I can now. Yeah. And that would be I and maybe I'm totally naive and stupid, but it is my sense, it is my belief fundamentally that the vast majority of people who use a laser, carry a laser or want a laser on their gun, that that creates a mentality, an attitude um that causes them to discount or the 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 net the need for training or at very least whether they recognize it or not it creates some sense that uh, I, I I'm compensating you know with with the laser the laser becomes a tool that allows me to not be as good of a shooter uh, you know and I you'll hear that if you ask people well why do you have a laser and you're gonna say like, oh just because then I'll for sure you know always know what I'm shooting at it's like well well that's kind of like why we train like and use sights and stuff it, and and so I I, I 
I believe inherently that the large majority of people who do have a laser on their gun, they don't train as much as they would if they didn't have the laser. And and we got to ask the question, what's more valuable, just outright training so that I'm proficient or using a laser? And the answer is obviously the outright training. Uh, you know, I think what you're saying could be true, though, of all types of gun owners where most gun owners, frankly, do not train or practice enough. Well, that's um, true, including me. I, I think that there probably are some shooters that put a laser on a gun and it's like, hey, this is so easy. Put that that dot on something and pull the trigger. Um, but here's one of the, another big con to lasers, and that is the uh, the fact that it's an electronic device that requires batteries and it has circuitry in it and that it can break and they do break. Um, now, many quality products from companies like Viridian and uh, Crimson Trace and uh, Streamlight and others are very rugged and they, they seem to perform very well. But, uh, but it is still possible and entirely likely that you show up to a fight and for some reason that device fails to work. And then you've got, you, you, the point is, is you always have to have a plan B, a backup plan. If you're, if you're using a a laser, uh, and so you, you, you should be prepared for that. Um, that's true of a lot of things. I mean, that's one of the reasons that that'd be another case to be made about if you carry a weapon mounted light, why you should most definitely have a secondary light uh, besides all the other reasons we talked about last week. But because if that weapon mounted light goes down, well, you should have a second light, <laughs> a backup plan. Um, and so with, with a laser, it should not become a crux uh, or a crutch. That's what I meant. Crutch to where you, you become so dependent on it that if it doesn't work, um, that you don't know what to do with it. Yeah. Here, here's another thing. I, I think that we we're a little bit naive about the reality of a gunfight. If if you are picturing in your mind that you're going to draw out your gun, activate your laser, now identify where the red dot is on on some you know target area, move the said red dot to the place you want to hit, and then squeeze off a trigger. If if that is your shooting system, if that is your self-defense, you know, technique, you're in big trouble because you're going to be tons slower on target than I am uh, or than anyone would be whose technique is to draw that gun, you know, with kind of a good muscle memory draw, present it into a sight picture where I'm already looking at slash aiming with my eyes and then squeeze off shots and acquire sights as necessary based on the shot I need to make. So... I think that there's a huge delay. I think that the overall shooting system is slowed down if you have to find this red dot that you're projecting with your gun. I agree with that, especially where someone does not train enough with it. Uh, because I, to me, I think it's just... It, it. First of all, anytime you have a laser or really any device on your, on your gun. If you have a light on your firearm, um, it becomes another thing that you must train. And so like you just, just described Jacob, as you imagine you're in this self-defense related encounter and you've got to draw your gun and extend, activate, you know, identify, line up the shot, take the shot. Um, 
if you're doing that at three yards, then that's that's the wrong thing to do. I mean, at three yards, you don't even need to use your sights. Point shoot or kinesthetically align, as Rob Pincus would say. You know, I mean, you're in other words, it's something that needs to be learned, just like you learn to use your sights. You use the sights when it's appropriate to use the sights or when you need to use the sights. So in other words, at arm's length distance or at three yards or perhaps even at five yards, you shouldn't necessarily need to use that laser. Yeah, point right? and shoot, right. Exactly. And so if you're trying to use that laser at that kind of distance, which is a very typical distance for civilian deadly force encounters, then you're doing it wrong. You should not be using that laser at those distances. Yeah, you're, you're relying on a tool when you should have a skill that is fundamental and basic and easy. Yes. Uh, and, and that, that's, that's a problem. That's a significant problem. Right. Uh, another thing to consider to, to throw out there about lasers is just like any other, you know, optic or things like this, because it's not perfectly in line with the sights on the gun, with the iron sights, there, a laser or a red dot or any sort of optic is, is sighted in at a specific distance and so if you're depending, you know, on, on making a really difficult shot, like, well, but if I have to make this really hard, if I have to shoot someone right between the eyes, you know, in the head, but don't forget that under stress, dealing with, with is, is parallax the right term? Riley, you would know better than I. Uh, you're trying to describe that difference between the, the bore and the, and the laser? Yeah, the, and, the, and, yeah. and what ultimately then and determines the mechanical offset. Yeah, mechanical offset. That's better. Thank you. So, so if I've sighted in my laser for ten feet, and I'm trying to now use it to make a really accurate shot at twenty feet, my point of impact will not be where the red dot is. It will be different. And so, there's a lot of adjustments that the shooter has to be trained enough to know to make on the fly based on an estimated distance. And that's that's a skill that's not as simple as you know, install this sucker on the gun. I'm good to go. Right. Um, you know, here, do you want to know how I would set up my laser if I was using one? I would sight it in, I would sight it in for either 15 or 25 yards. And the reason being is because for me, a laser would become more useful in those longer distance precise shots. And so that's where you're going to need it. So sight it in for that longer distance. And it's not going to be so far off that if you had to use it for whatever reason at seven yards, you're going to have a little bit offset from where that was sighted in at, but it's going to, the bullet's going to be impacting a little bit high, um, but probably not that much high, you know? And so that's what I would do. If you have it sighted in for 10 feet, well, once again, think about how you're using that device. And at 10 feet, you shouldn't be using necessarily the laser. So yeah, sighted in for those longer distances. It, it's it, it's also very true of those that are shooting now with their handguns uh, with a red dot, um, you know, a rail mounted uh, red dot, an RMR, uh, where it, it's an appropriate use case that you need to consider that at a very close distance, you don't necessarily need to use that red dot. But where and, and sometimes, by the way, a red dot can be a little bit slower to use on a handgun than just traditional iron sights or or being, you know, making sure that you're uh, uh, comfortable using point shooting. But 
and I'm holding a little red dot in my hand and a little screw fell out of it. So I'll have to find where that went. Anyway, <laughs> um, I have here the SIG uh, Romeo 1. Really great little uh, red dot, by the way. But anyway, um, but where a red dot really shows or shines is at those longer distance, more perf- more precise shots. And so once again, where I would sight in my red dot on the the slide of my gun would be at probably honestly 25 yards in most situations for for my uh, handguns. Anyway, so some good things to think about there. And and I, I think the point has been made already that the important thing with lasers in particular is thinking about how you're actually going to use that device. And I suspect most people don't really give it that much thought. They just think, hey, I have this nifty little device that if I put that dot on something, I pull the trigger, that's where the bullet in theory should go. And there's a lot more to it than that. Um, and definitely like, like we've already established, you shouldn't be doing that anyway at most typical defensive distance, you know, uh, encounters. And so, yeah, really great, great thoughts there as well, Jacob. Um, here's another thing I, th- I think that's worthy of mentioning and uh, it's funny because we seem like we're giving more cons than we are for pros. Um, I I still think that having a laser is probably not a bad idea. Well, yeah, I'm I put it in the category of why nots. Um, so unless you have a really good reason why not, then why just put, just put one on? You know that that would right. so so yeah. I I agree that maybe we're we're not doing it a lot of service um, because you know maybe we're talking about all the reasons why not and and we're failing to really you know, say that, that doesn't mean you shouldn't. It just means that a, it it should not be something you use to compensate for lack of skills. B, you need to understand the application of the tool and, and have whatever knowledge and or training related to using the tool in the applications where it's proper. And, and three, you need to understand, you know, what situations does an inconvenience outweigh a benefit? And that's true of all EDC and gun related things, right? Like, I can carry bigger guns that would give me more capacity, but it also creates a a greater inconvenience. And so at some point we have to decide how much inconvenience we're willing to endure for what benefits. And so, you know, on a home defense gun, for example, we talked about this a lot when we were talking about lights last week, it's a, it's a huge, why not on a home defense? Like, why wouldn't you put a light on your home defense? I don't know. And so easily same thing could be said about lasers. Well, why not? And the only answer I might come up with there is, well, if it, if it complicates the overall application or use of the light or laser, uh, because of some sort of skill, the buttons are really close to each other, you know, and that maybe comes down to just the actual specific tool and picking the right one. But yeah, so I'm glad you brought that up, Riley, because I was starting to feel a little bit guilty as well. It's definitely in my why not category. And, and you're perfectly welcome to have a reason why not. But if you don't, then why not? Yeah, it is a why not sort of thing. But once again, think about these these things, these shortcomings, or at least what can be shortcomings if you don't use it properly and if you don't train with it properly. And as was mentioned, this is a device that requires training, regular training, practice, and establishing of, dare I say, muscle memory. And so just like anything that we do with defensive handguns or defensive weapons of any kind, like it needs to be trained, it needs to be practiced, it needs to become second nature. Here's one other thing though I'll throw out there regarding to the use of a laser or how to use it, I think properly, and that is to use it more like it is a red dot sight, meaning that 
ideally, I mean, this is actually a necessary thing if you're using a rail-mounted red dot uh, or uh, optic on your pistol. Uh, you need to you use and shoot that pistol just like you would if you were shooting iron sights. Meaning, it's it needs to come up to the same eye level. Uh, you need to have the same basically the same sight picture, you're just replacing the focus on, say, a front sight for those precise shots with focusing on a, on a dot that appears to be on your target. And the same would be true with a laser. In other words, we talk about a big pro being that you can sight in the gun and shoot it at a target when you can't get an ideal sight picture. Meaning, when we say not an ideal sight picture, we, we mean that it's likely not at your eye level where your eyes are aligned with the sights, and which are then aligned with a target, right? Yep. That is a big pro. But that's also one of the big challenges, I think, where some shooters can get, there, there's the opportunity to get lazy, and that is with not getting that, that sight picture established, meaning getting the gun up just like you would with iron sights. And ideally, I would align the gun at the target, the same way I would any other time, and I'm I, I I will see that that red dot. I'll see or green. It might be a green laser. Who knows? But I'll see that dot. But it should be in theory, basically in line with where my eye is looking across the t- the top of the gun. In other words, and then then wherever the eyes go, the gun should go, and thus the dot should go. But I have seen shooters with lasers where they're, it's very clear that they are not getting that proper grip, proper extension, proper, you know, bringing the gun and the sights up to the eye like they would if they normally had to. And that, that becomes that, um, that, that's that laziness, you know, and that complacency seeping in to one's training to where they're getting so dependent on the laser. And that's what we do see. So to use it properly, use it as though it is a red dot sight. Have the gun and everything gripped properly, extended properly, in line with the eye like you normally would. And then wherever your head is turning, wherever the arms are going, the dot is going, and it will appear more like a red dot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you went through that and talked about that. Um, Here's one that in, someone's listening to this right now and they're really upset with us because in their mind, we have not touched on the number one greatest reason why someone should have a, a laser. And that is that, you know, you, you draw that gun, you put that razor on the BG, and that bad guy or bad gal is now intimidated and, you know, like sees this red dot on their chest and they're like, oh no, someone's pointing a gun at me. I better back down. Hmm. Uh, that's that's an interesting one, and we do hear that comment brought up uh, plenty about lasers, and uh, it is a hotly, I think, debated topic. Um, there's <laughs> here's here's the thing, though, right? Um, it's not just about seeing that dot on your chest or on your head, uh, but we can also see that trail a lot of times. Uh, there's usually enough particles in the air, especially if your eye, your eyesight is more or less in line with the path that that laser is taking. There's a high probability you'll be able to see that, that, that trail. Right. And so, I mean, that is definitely like what's going to bring one's attention to it, which by the way, that could become another con because similar to the way a weapon mounted light would definitely show the origin of where 
a shooter is. And thus, if I shoot in the direction of that light, chances are I'm going to hit something. That laser is an even more precise trail back to its source. And I'll tell you, if you're on the other other end of it, you can really tell that. And so that is another thing to consider. I I think it can go both ways. I think it can definitely kind of show, oh, there's the source. That's where I'm going to shoot. But I also do think it can be a a potential deterrent to the recipient. Yeah, I, I, I think that a lot of the, a lot of questions and thoughts about lasers begin where we originally started to use them, which was on rifles in, in the military and in combat. And so a lot of things that I think about when I think about lasers, I think, well, that makes sense on a rifle. That makes sense on my carbine. That makes sense when I am 20 yards out, 30 yards out, and I'm trying to, you know, alert that BG that, hey, stand down. You know, and I'm so I'm going to ride that laser up the up their body, and they're going to see some of that that trail, and they're gonna be like, oh, and and they know that like, hey, this we're hot, like this this is game on. That makes total sense in a combat zone with a big rifle, uh, or or any rifle, perhaps you know could could be debated, but to take that same concept and apply it on my handgun at five to ten feet away from the target, to me sounds completely ridiculous. Um, if if I am in a close proximity, then that laser is probably unnecessary to alert the target that they're a target, that they, there's a gun on them. Like, I'm only a few feet away, right? Like, hey, look at me. I got a gun. Like, they, they probably already clued in on that, that, that I'm hot and I'm on target. Um, and even if they didn't, as you put it, put it, you know, pointed out, we still have the issue of, will they even see that red dot on their body? Well, if so, maybe they'll see the trail first. If they see the trail, they're also going to see the origin and, and, you know, the red dot origin right on, on me. So all those are potential bads. If I am at a distance with a handgun, then, you know, that now maybe we have a little bit more sense. Okay. I got my handgun. I have a target that is 20 yards out. First off, shouldn't I be running? Like maybe if I'm an if I'm LE, I got to make twenty yard shots. But if I'm an armed citizen, I'm probably you know retreating at twenty yards, or I'm hover, I'm 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 you know cover in place, right? I mean, I I don't I don't I don't see a lot of application with a handgun in in within this premise of my laser is going to deter my BG, uh, you know, when I when I pop that that dot on them. So I used to be in this camp of just thinking that the laser being a deterrent it was just utter bullcrap. Um, but I do find that my view on that has changed somewhat in, in recent uh, months or maybe a year or so. Um, number one, Kyle Lamb, I remember, shared a story with us about having an enemy target. And I, and I realize you just made the point of, well, it's military. With a rifle. You know, yeah, at a distance. But, but I'm just using it as an example that, and this was not uncommon, that, uh, you know, they they would see someone and they could light them up with a laser. And that a lot of times would get their attention and be like, okay, I'll, I'll lay down now. I'll, I'll, you know, not do anything that might warrant you shooting me sort of thing. And uh, so I, I think that that is... A laser does have the potential of doing that. But what you presented is very valid, too, that in most close distance defensive encounters, it's probably not far enough where that's really necessary to communicate that. Now, one thing, though, that that I I saw a video of, and I was like, hmm, that's really interesting. And, And this is actually, by the way, a video on YouTube on Gun Talk Media's channel, uh, where they do this uh, 
first person shooter or something first person what do they call it um i'll do a, i'll share a link uh in the show notes for this for this video and it it's a special uh segment or series they they've done they've done several of these episodes where they put people in various scenarios and, and test them um and one of these episodes was with Chris Serino, a uh, great guy. He was on Top Shot, by the way, for those of you that are Top Shot fans, the show. Um, he is the uh, director of training for Hudson. Um, and those of you that have heard our episode that we did with, with Cy Hudson uh, a while back, as well as the Guardian Nation Live event, um, that was a pretty good one. But but they're associated with Chris. Um, Chris has been you know fighting cancer for some time, and, and recently I believe he's he's beaten that for the time being. Um, so he's doing better. But anyway, in this episode, uh, he's using a laser on, uh, on his gun and you see from both angles, both from his angle of of the scenario is that they are having to fight back in their own home and they're shooting They're basically exchanging shots up and down this hallway in their home. And you see, obviously the perspective that Chris sees um, he's being engaged, he's firing back. And then you see there's the kind of the first person view uh, FPV of the, of the bad guy. And you definitely see that laser coming down the hall. Now here's the other thing. Some people will say you, you won't see the trail. You won't see where that laser is. Um, except that if you're shooting, if you're actively engaged, uh, you're going to because of the smoke from from the discharged weapons, right? And so in this case, and they're shooting simunitions sim- at each other, right? So they're real weapons. Um, you're getting smoke and all that stuff, right? Very realistic, but they're using simunitions, obviously, as they're shooting at each other. And uh, sorry if I didn't explain that from the get-go. Um, and the guy that's playing the part of the bad guy talks about how when he saw that laser come down the hallway, and you see it, and like, I think it becomes a much more tangible sort of thing, even though it's not actually tangible, but like it definitely clicks in the mind of the, of the person on the other end that wherever that laser goes and you can very distinctly see where it's going, that's a high potential and probability of that. That's where the bullet's coming. And it definitely in that situation, in this scenario, as they played it out and they, I think they ran it two different times. It, it played a part, I think, in kind of encouraging that bad guy to, to take more effective cover as he was engaging with, uh, with Chris Serena. And so I, I watched that and I thought, you know what? Okay. I can see that now it was a little bit further distance. It was probably mm, 20 feet. Uh, and once again, they're engaging each other from positions of cover. So that's definitely a situation where, you know, as opposed to being face to face with somebody at seven feet or 10 feet. Um, yeah, it's, it's definitely a little bit different. Um, but I present that because I found it interesting as a case study of sorts to show how a laser may be a deterrent. So I, I, I would place it in the category of where I used to be like, ah, it's bullcrap. I would say now it may be a deterrent, but I wouldn't always but count it, on it. Yeah, I mean, that, that's a really interesting example you just shared because the argument could also be made from that exact same uh, example that it, it had the opposite of the, of the intended effect, that it actually helped the BG seek better cover, which is not what we want to have happen. We'd like our BG to be as exposed as possible. Well, so hold on now. If it causes him to to disengage from the fight, which by him seeking greater cover, like it was effective enough. You could see, like he'd poke his head out around the corner, right? Or his hand. 
and he he'd see, oh crap, that's on me, and so he's he's back behind cover. Well, that that means you have the upper hand because Chris could he could basically stay there and just keep painting that position, and 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 basically he it's like playing a, a dueling tree when you get somebody on the on the bottom end, you know, like where they they're just barely keeping up with you, and all they all you're doing is waiting for the other person to flip that next plate around, and you you could just you know right on top of it, pow, pow, pow. And like, you know, it's the same kind of situation where you kind of have the upper hand at that point in the gunfight and it may cause them to disengage and then maybe run away. And so it's no guarantee. That's why I said it may, (laughs) it may work as intended, but I wouldn't always count on it. Is that fair? Yeah, no, I think, I think that is fair. And I, I think that that illustrates the complication of this being a gray you know, question versus a black and white one. I, I think that that's kind of the main thing here is if you were hoping for a real easy answer in today's episode on should I carry a laser and if so, how, like, sorry, t- this is not one of those. And that's why we have a whole episode about the topic because it's not a yes or no thing. There's a lot of variables here. Um, yeah, so I, I think that was that was a great example and a good reference point. And another thing we have here in our notes, Riley, is green versus red. So take us there. Well, I think it's really simple for us to address, and that is that uh, green is, I think it's better than red. Uh, it's brighter. Um, it's on a it's on a wavelength of light that is brighter and is easier to see and has greater contrast with the things it likely uh, comes in contact with. Um, green is typically visible even during daylight. Uh, with the exception of being like bright, bright, right in the sun. Um, you could still see it typically. It's just not going to like jump out at you, but red will definitely get washed out, uh, outdoors in, in the, in the brighter light. Um, both I think are yeah, pretty much equally effective as far as accomplishing the job they're intended for in really dark situations. Um, but I kind of am in the camp of, go green if if you can they're they're always a little bit more expensive uh some companies don't even make green um some like viridian for until just recently didn't even make red now for some reason that they've introduced red i think just to give a little cheaper price point for for some of their consumers um and maybe some people prefer red i don't know but uh green seems to be a little bit better in most respects yeah i I, I, I'm, I'm on board is the short answer. And we, we, we've kind of seen this, um, movement. I don't know what the right word, I'm, I'm looking for a word and I'm not getting it, but we've seen kind of this uh, evolution or transition, maybe is the better word from, from red to green in the laser game, uh, for, for a variety of reasons, but, uh, you know, color blindness, uh, you know, not just for, you know, the average person's colorblind, but for colors that you're less likely to see um, based on research when you're, when you're in that kind of an elevated state. Um, and then there's other reasons too, as you, as you pointed out. So yeah, I, I would be inclined to say that if I was out shopping today, I'd, I'd have a preference of a green laser. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's really telling when you have a company like Crimson Trace that has owned and dominated that market for so many years and is still basically the standard where it comes to weapon mounted lasers. Uh, it's it's telling, I think, when they themselves in the last year or so jump on the green laser bandwagon. Now, it's not all their products; it's a few of their products that they are introducing green lasers in. Uh, but you know, you have a company that's named Crimson Trace, and for a long time was resistant to the idea of going to, to green, and now they've 
done that. Uh, I think that's really telling. Uh, you know, a company like Viridian that really got their name out there as being the green laser guys, it it makes more sense for them to go, okay, we're going to offer a cheaper option in a red laser format, uh, but it makes little sense for Crimson Trace to, to, to go to a green, uh, except for kind of suggesting, I think, that green is the better choice um, in that it just performs better in most lighting conditions. So yeah. I think it's pretty, it doesn't make you feel like you're in a James Bond movie, which is probably the main, <laughs> you know, downside of, of green. Sure. <laughs> now, so I, I think, I think we've pretty much covered it. Um, I, I think as a summary, I think this is what I would take away. Uh, lasers can be a very useful, uh, valuable option on a handgun or any weapon for that matter. Uh, provided that so here's the takeaways use it correctly use it properly right uh, as we've discussed here today and don't get fooled into thinking that you can ease up on your shooting skills and on thinking that you're just gonna whip this thing out and it's going to be an automatic immediate deterrent to any bad guy you might encounter is, is that a pretty good summary summary of what we've covered today it is. I, I was going to also do a brand summary. Um, some things we've we've thrown out. You've mentioned Streamlight. We've mentioned Surefire, and we've mentioned Crimson Trace. Those are all very reputable brands. Another one that I think uh, is upcoming or is is now what I would consider a, a core you know brand in this game would be Laser Max. Um, so those you know there's four brands. Are there other ones that we should really throw out? Riley is like if you're people who want to go shop, you know that they could really you know rely on. Oh boy! Um, you mentioned Viridian. I mean, there's there's a lot of players. There's actually a lot of players. Uh, I mean, you you mentioned Laser Max, but I mean companies like um, uh, well, Beam Shot is is a lesser known brand. They actually make some pretty good quality stuff, um, but they're definitely not as well known. Laser, uh, what's the company? Laser. Um, Laser Light, that's another big player. Mm, laser Light, yeah. Um, so we got to mention them. So Laser Light is, is primarily builds laser pis- training pistols and and associated you know accessories. But yeah, they they do make laser products. Well, that's true. But they, they've yeah they've got. I mean, these are the guys that came out with the. Uh, um, they had that. I think they've stopped making it because I, I just don't think it was that popular. And I think part of the issue was activation, frankly. Um, but they had the this this product that was it replaced the rear sight on your gun. And it was actually a, it was actually a rear sight, and it was a funny looking rear sight because it had these two bulbous. Uh, you know, essentially where your uh, notch would sit on either side, you had these big round, uh, you know, things because one side was containing your batteries for the device, very small batteries. And the other side was uh, uh, the actual laser, um, you know, uh, emitting device. And now the cool thing there was that the laser was basically in line with the sights and in line with your vision and a lot less, you know, parallax issues. Um, but the activation meant you had to push a button on the, I think the battery side of, of the device uh, on the actual site. So you'd have to actually reach up, hit this button to activate it. And it's not as convenient or intuitive, I think, as it probably ought to have been. So that was the guys, and you know, they actually came out with, I think a pretty um, innovative product. Uh, Just 
it wasn't executed as well as it probably could have been. And it's a very difficult product to execute on because the nature of a rear sight, rear sight needing to not be too big and bulky. Um, trying to fit a laser into that is is quite a challenge. But LaserLite does have quite an extensive uh, list of products now for laser um, devices that will mount on a variety of firearms. Yeah, well, that's, uh, so good to know. And I, I didn't realize that about their brand. I really only knew them for their their training pistol and associated products. There's there's other companies out there that are probably smaller, um, probably what I would call less, more economic brands um, that, that make things like this. I mean, I'm thinking like uh, you know, AimShot, uh, NC Star, you know, is always good for any gun thing that you want an economic option for. Um, so, so I think I think that we've we've covered the big players and and probably the ones that you know Riley or I would 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 you know would would generally endorse. Sure. Yep. Sounds good. So we're gonna wrap it up there as far as the content portion of today's episode. But first, I want to mention that today's episode is made possible because of listeners like you that support us. And one of the ways that many listeners support us is by going to our concealedcarry.com online store. And where we have, I mean, what do we have? 400, 500 products now in our store, Jacob? Yeah, close to 600, I think. Close to 600 even. Wow. And we have in there some some light, uh, weapon-mounted light products. We have some flashlight products. We have some laser products. We have laser light combo products. Uh, I know we have, for a fact, a TLR2, TLR4, which are laser light combos. Um, I'm sure we have a few other things. I don't know what all we have. Uh, it, it's, yeah, we have, we're we always have products from Street Light. Yeah, we have products from Laser Max. We have products from Crimson Trace. Um, I don't think we currently sell any Surefire products, but yeah, we're, we are adding to it all the time. And, and you know, beyond the conversation about lights and lasers, uh, just know that you know if when you want new gear for anything related to firearms or training, we would ask that you at least check us out, that you give us a chance to be part of your your online shopping experience, because that's how we stay in business. Uh, that that that's why Riley and I can do this full time and produce this awesome podcast. That is true, and uh, you know I think we do a pretty good job. I mean we're no Amazon, but but shipping we get things out pretty quick. Uh, I think compared to a lot of the industry, um, shipping is reasonable. Um, and, uh, I mean, we, and, and of course we have awesome customer service. We have a couple of dedicated customer service guys that really bust their butts to take care of every customer. Uh, especially, I mean, do we make mistakes? Yeah. Occasionally we make mistakes and we, trust me, we go, we try to go above and beyond to fix those mistakes. And, uh, you know, occasionally we have situations or customers where it doesn't go as uh, as we would like it or as they would like it but we do our best to fix it and ultimately we have really good customer service um josh and sam you can you know if you call you're gonna probably talk to them and they're good guys good dudes and they're, they're willing to help today's uh pick of the week for me by the way is a light i teased it last week and it is the fenex PD-25. Last week was another Fenix light for me, which was the RCO-5SE, which is that compact little uh, pocket light uh, that's rechargeable and I still am basically in love with. I, I love this little, this is now my EDC light. Uh, it's great little light. But uh, another great EDC light, I think, is this PD-25. But actually, the context I'm using it in right now is I recently built this uh, AR pistol, a uh, little seven-inch-barreled, bar- seven uh, you know, little short uh, pistol that's not a rifle, right? <laughs> uh, 
and I've got a PD-25 mounted in a Viking Tactics light mount. Um, and here's the thing with a pistol like this with short barreled AR, I didn't want to take up a lot of real estate on the rail with a light. And so I was, I searched and searched and searched trying to find a light that I could mount into a Viking Tactics light mount. Now it did go in fairly tightly using the inner shim, um, but it worked and I was able to do it. And that was harder than I expected, by the way, finding a light that would actually fit in that light mount without some sort of modification. Um, but this one worked very well. And here's the, here's the beauty, beautiful part about it. I told you I wanted something that took up minimal space on the rail. And I think this is a fantastic option for that. It is, oh gosh, how long is this thing? I'm going to pull out the ruler here. Uh, it is, here's the ruler. It is just over three inches long, uh, which for, a little LED light. I mean, that's that's very compact. Um, it's actually shorter than that RCO5 SE that I was my pick last week. Uh, the RCO5 compared to the PD25 is like another quarter inch longer. Um, the RCO5 does have a, a, a smaller diameter barrel um, of the body of the light um, and bezel, um, but the PD25 is shorter. And I'm really liking it because it lets me get it right out there towards the end of the of the rail, um, which maximizes my space on the rail for my my grip and my hand and all that. It's easy to activate, um, and it's really bright. It's 500 lumens. It runs off of a uh, CR123 battery. But the cool thing is, right now on Amazon, you can buy the PD25 with a rechargeable CR123 battery. And the battery is part of the beauty, I think, with this thing too. It is basically a CR123 battery that at the top, I've never seen anything like this. It has a little recharging port for a, if it's a micro USB charger, any of your, you know, standard, anything that you would charge your cell phone with, if you use a micro USB uh, cable or anything like that, and they're pretty prominent now, this has a little port at the top of the battery to plug in with a micro USB cable and it charges right up. Freaking beautiful. I am loving this thing. I think it was like 46 bucks or something with, it came with that rechargeable battery. Uh, and of course the light is a great light. It's bright, has decent throw. It's not as, as focused as I'd probably actually like, but it's not bad, especially on this weapon where I don't necessarily expect to have to use it at too great of a distance. I'm not trying to light somebody up at two or 300 yards. Um, it's not really the purpose of this gun or the light. So there you go. I know I kind of went off on it, but I'm, I'm raving. I'm a raving fan about this PD-25 as well as that pick last week. Oh, are you done now? Uh, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I was, <laughs> I, I kind of, I, dr- I drifted off there. <laughs> I had to get it all out, man. Like it, no kidding, it, bro. It is, oh, geez. It's a good light, man. Well, I'll make my pick of the week short so that no one falls asleep here. Um, uh, my pick of the week is autumn. The time of year. I love the fall. It's definitely my favorite season of the year. I like living in a place where I actually have four seasons. And uh, Colorado is definitely one of those. It is gorgeous outside right now. We've got trees changing colors. Um, the mountains are a wonderful you know, wonderful time of year to be anywhere. I love a time of year where I can have windows open in the house and the heater never runs and the air conditioning never runs. And it's just, man, I love autumn. And so I am, I am pumped and just happy right now about the weather. Are you done? Man, Come on, that was like what fifteen you did seconds. Not do autumn in Colorado any justice, man? 
It's, it's awesome. I don't know what to tell you. I'm a fan. You know, I, I certainly what I don't want to have happen is all of our listeners move to Colorado <laughs> because I, I, I have serious concern about overpopulation. So yes, it's awesome. Visit here in the fall. Hold, but, but hold then your go horses home. there now. Hold on now. I am okay with our listeners moving here because they will help fight against those that are trying to restrict our rights in this state. And mm, there is some value, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. So our listeners are allowed to move in. You're right. If you're listening to this, you, you should move to Colorado, but don't tell anyone else. <laughs> By the way, uh, coming up next, we have uh, this Saturday. Uh, if, if you're in the area or if you can be in the area this Saturday, this is probably your last chance. We have like two more days to get signed up uh, for the uh, Guardian Essentials pistol course. Uh, all day defensive handgun, uh, kind of level one class that we're doing on Saturday, uh, just east of Denver. All day class, uh, really awesome. We'll have good food. We'll have uh, uh, ammo provided as part of the class if you're shooting nine millimeter. It's going to be a great class, and we're we're finally getting to where we've just about had this curriculum just totally nailed down. We're we're trying to make, frankly, the best defensive handgun course in the industry, taking borrowing from, you know, putting together in one package all of the best things from all of the best instructors across the, the country and in the world um, and putting it in one class. Uh, I know everyone probably says that and thinks that, but uh, we really mean it. I think we have something special going and it's just going to get better and better, especially as we roll this out to more places across the country. So this Saturday, October 7th, uh, we get started at 8.30 a.m., uh, go to colorado.concealedcarry.com. Look for the Guardian Essentials Pistol Course. Sign up. If you can make it, we'd love to have you there. I think we have just a couple of spots left. It's going to be a good little group, um, but there are a couple spots left. So come join us. We look, we'd like to have you. And the weather is going to be beautiful on Saturday, by the way. So speaking of Colorado fall, it's going to be cold Friday and nasty on Sunday. But right in between there on Saturday, it's going to be awesome. <laughs> yeah, tender mercy. Yep. So with that, we're going to sign off. Uh, appreciate you listeners. And uh, it, it is our pleasure and our honor to do this podcast. Uh, it's been such a wonderful experience to see it grow from a very small podcast to, I mean, we are consistently one of the, the top podcasts uh, in iTunes and elsewhere for gun-related and self-defense-related podcasts. We couldn't do it without you all. So thank you to all of you. You you deserve a round of applause. And uh, so we're going to see you next week. We'll have our usual news episode on Monday uh, with some great content coming at you both on Monday and as well as our usual Wednesday episode next week too. So take care. Have a great week and weekend. Uh, be safe out there. Our hearts and prayers still go out to those affected by this uh, Las Vegas Mandalay Bay shooting. Uh, I think it's just a great reminder. Not a great in, as far as a positive great, but it is a big, huge reminder of the preparation that's necessary uh, if we're going to survive the crazy world we live in. So train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care. A reminder that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws. The Concealed Carry Podcast, Concealed Carry Inc., ConcealedCarry.com, and their affiliates strive to share insights and stories about firearm-related incidents and laws, but things could be different where you live, or laws may have changed by the time you listen to this. We cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared in this podcast.